Welcome to the Lilypad Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lilly. Every week I interview someone who is making their unique mark in the world by doing what they love and offering their gifts and talents to help support their communities. I talk to authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, artists, musicians, and everyday people just like you who are making a difference in the world. I hope you're inspired by these conversations to get out there and do your part to make your community better, better, better. hit me that, you know, everything that I had fought so hard to keep up this mask of masculinity, you know, this is, I'm a good father, good husband, good worker, you know, and, and all those things crumble. You know, I, I finally saw that it, it was really a lot of pain, a lot of uh, stuff I had stuffed away. And I just wanted all that pain to stop. I, I just saw no value anymore. Talking with these gentlemen, talking with other guys that I know I've reached out that have, you know, know the story, which I still don't publicly put out there that much, but, uh, you know, it, it is these cookie cutters. I find more people are struggling, especially men, you know, it's what one in four men contemplate suicide or die by suicide. Now, um, we account for 78% of all the deaths in suicide in 2020 and 2021. It's really back to how do men handle their mental health and, and the personas and those masks and, and, you know, and I, I don't think it's the, uh, I don't think it's, and it's no ding to anybody with PTSD or anything. So I'll take it that way, but it's not, you don't have to have that traumatic story that one, you know, night, something drastically changed that puts you on that path. This is the death by a thousand paper cuts that I think really leads us into this path and have the hard conversation because I'd rather have a hard conversation with you. You hate me in that moment for assuming something, then you be gone. And I don't have that conversation with you, you know, or have that regret. I think that's the, the thing we've got to push these conversations and just really call, you know, if you're worried about somebody just straight up tell them, you know, Hey there podcast listeners. And welcome to another episode of the Lilypad podcast. This episode uh, before I actually start to talk about it, maybe I should give a trigger warning because, uh, this episode deals with, with suicide and depression. And I know that some of my listeners might be struggling with that. So I figured I would just put that out there, but this is one of those conversations that I feel like needed to be had. And, uh, let me go ahead and tell you a little bit about my guest. My guest is a man named Ken Ott. Ken is from Texas. And I was introduced to Ken through our mutual friend, Brandon Alexander. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you might remember Brandon. I interviewed him uh, not, not too long back, but a little while ago. Um, and by society's definition, Ken is just a regular guy, much like Bob, I interviewed last week. But as you hear from this interview, Ken is anything but regular. Ken found himself in a position in his life in which he no longer wanted to be on this earth. And I know that a lot of men that I've talked to that I, and some of which I'm friends with have been in that dark place, that place where you start to feel like the world would actually be better off without you. And it often happens at times when, you know, maybe we've gotten divorced, maybe we've lost our job. Uh, we've lost some kind of sense of purpose and connection to society and to the world around us. Our, our life is, is falling apart. And we feel like the world would be better off without us. And that's where Ken found himself. But what's fascinating is what happens next. And I don't want to tell you too much about it in the introduction. Uh, I'm just going to let Ken tell his story. But guys, please listen to this one. I mean, even if you feel as if you might be triggered, I want you to hear Ken's story. It took a lot of courage, um, you know, for him to, this is the first time he has come forward and publicly shared this, this struggle and this story. He's talked to close friends about it, but never on a public medium like this. So I feel honored to have given him the platform uh, and the opportunity to, to get up and, and, and share and talk about, uh, you know, the, the challenges that he went through. So please uh, be respectful. Listen to this interview. You'll learn a lot from Ken about 
um, what it's like to be in that dark place and about some of the ways that you can find yourself out of it, uh, that we don't have to stay in the darkness forever, that there is light. Um, so again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much. I want to let you listen. So without further delay, here's Ken. Ken Ott, welcome to the LilyPad podcast. How are you? Doing okay. Yourself, sir? I'm doing really well. It's been a, been a beautiful, beautiful couple of days. I've gotten some, some trail running and some hiking in, so I've been, I've been pretty happy the past few days. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I wanted to get you on my podcast because uh, you and I have a mutual friend, um, Brandon Alexander, and my listeners probably have already heard my interview with him, so they know that he's a pretty amazing guy. But, uh, you know, I was talking to him on the phone recently, and he mentioned you and wanted to connect with you. Um, and I'm really glad he did after you told me some of the things, uh, told me a little bit about your story. Uh, but I don't want to talk too much. I actually want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, uh, tell my listeners a little bit, a bit about you. And then after that, we'll go ahead and get into your story. Sure. So, uh, like you said, my name's Ken, last name, I, uh, 43 years old, father to three, uh, two are in their 20, early twenties. And one is about to be 16 in a week. Um, active with them constantly, uh, with work, uh, work as a process analyst, uh, manage a team of, of people that try to come in and help companies get better and more efficient work. Um, been doing that for a long time now. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, always seeing people improve and especially in a workplace. Um, what Brandon definitely, I know wanted to connect you with is, uh, the, story that I have about um, suicide and how it's impacted me uh, and it's impacted those around me um, and you know the ways that I, I approach these conversations about mental health and, and suicide especially in the minute it's affected around me um, so you know the thing I've learned mostly is uh, my story is not unique it's not some tragic Hollywood movie blockbuster it's a cookie cutter recipe that I've seen repeated over and over and talking with other men. Uh, and I think that's the scariest part of it is, is, is just cookie cutter. It's just the death by a thousand paper cut scenario. Um, so, you know, uh, 2017, uh, May 24th, after my 39th birthday, uh, I ended up at one of my favorite fishing spots and, uh, sat down in my spot, uh, waited for sundown, waited for people to leave. And uh, I pulled out a nine millimeter pistol, loaded it up and I pulled the trigger on it. And uh, it uh, misfired in the barrel of the bullet did squib, uh, destroyed the barrel, destroyed the gun. Um, didn't, <laughs> didn't destroy me in physical sense. Uh, it, it, it did highlight. Um, and, and, you know, from there, you know, it's been kind of the reverse engineering of what got me to that point on May 24th um, and, and what led up to it. And I think it's, this is where I talk about, like, it's just a cookie cutter template, right? You know, at that point, I, I was on the way to divorce um, my wife at the time. We had been together 22 years um, and it was just, you know, we had grown so apart and I realized how alone I had been, um, which many people can relate to. Um, I growing up had no connection with my family, never knew my father, never knew uh, anybody on his side of the family. I was the black sheep outcast of my own family on my mom's side. I grew up with a lot of fun stories there I could share another time <laughs> around, you know, being abused. And, and that, again, that alone piece um, grew up with a mother that was mentally ill severely and, uh, mm. you know, had to end up from early age on trying to find ways to make money, keep the house together. So, you know, leaving home right at 18, got married, started having kids, uh, you know, taking care of my house is it's all I've ever known. Right. You know, it was the identities and masks that we put up, I think is the, the biggest part. Right. So for me, my three biggest masks were, you know, being a good husband, being a good father and being a good worker. Um, and, and uh, the start of 2017 was laid off for the first time ever. Uh, got no callbacks for interviews for a couple months. You know, blew all the money I had trying to keep up the house, keep up everybody's spirits. Kids leaving for college, military. And then, you know, 
then I, I get served with divorce papers and decision there. And it, it hit me that, you know, everything that I had fought so hard to keep up this mask of masculinity, you know, this, this I'm a good father, good husband, good worker, you know, and, and all those things crumble. You know, I, I finally saw that it, it was really a lot of pain, a lot of uh, stuff I had stuffed away. And I just wanted all that pain to stop. I, I just saw no value anymore. Um, so when the, the gun misfired, went home, acted like everything was good, stayed pretty good with everything um, for about a year. And then my son, who was in the military, called me one night. And uh, I just knew, like, every red bell went off. You know, my fire alarms went off in my head. I knew the wording and, and to this day, what sticks with me was he said something that I had written in, in my suicide note to my kids, which was, you cannot take this, what's about to happen on as your own, mm. that, you know, he's like, the next decision is mine and mine alone. And it was nearly verbatim what I had written. And the boy had never seen a note, never knew <laughs> that I had gotten to that point myself. I just knew. So ended up staying on the phone with him for about three hours. I had my uh, my daughter's cell phone with me, and I'm calling everybody, calling emergency numbers, base, um, anybody to go get him because he was in California. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so stayed on the phone with him three, four hours. Uh, he walked into the, the uh, hospital on base, checked in, and, and sought the help he needed. And, you know, that started finally, like, you know, it's, I've got to get help for myself. Um, so a couple more months go by, of course, you know, got to wrestle with that, make sure he's good, you know, <laughs> and then uh, got myself into therapy. Uh, and it's been it's been good. It's been a good journey of, of finally starting to recognize these patterns. And then, of course, you know, there's been two other gentlemen that I, I've run across in my uh, social media and then a good friend of mine just recently, a few weeks ago. Um, the same thing. We sat down for dinner and uh, I just knew. I just knew. And at the end of dinner, I was like, so what's your plan? And he just looked at me like, what do you mean? What's my plan? And I was like, no, no, what, what are you doing after this? And he admitted, you know, he had everything he needed to do to, to execute his plan. And, uh, you know, he just wanted to have dinner one last time with a good friend. Um, we ended up talking a little more deeply uh, as we drove over to the hospital and checked him in. And uh, that's, that's the thing. I, I think, talking with these gentlemen, talking with other guys that I know have reached out that have, you know, know the story, which I still don't publicly put out there that much, but, uh, you know, it, it is these cookie cutters. I find more people are struggling, especially men, you know, it's what one in four men contemplate suicide or die by suicide. Now, um, we account for 78% of all the deaths in suicide in 2020 and 2021, you know, and it, it's, it's really back to how do men handle their mental health and, and the personas and those masks and, and, you know, and I, I don't think it's the, uh, I don't think it's, and it's no ding to anybody with PTSD or anything. So I'll take it that way, but it's not, you don't have to have that traumatic story that one, you know, night something drastically changed that puts you on that path. This is the death by a thousand paper cuts that I think really, leads us into this path and, and uh so i've been trying to formulate how to how to <laughs> have these conversations how to get other men and, and women involved in in their their life and all i can tell you is is i think it sums up is have the hard conversation because i'd rather have a hard conversation with you and you hate me in that moment for assuming something than you be gone and i don't have that conversation with you you know or have that regret i think that's the the thing we've got to push these conversations and just really call, you know, if you're worried about somebody, just straight up tell them, you know. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that um, because I know it's not an easy story for you to tell. Um, and I know that some part of you, you know, knows that that's that's your story, you know what I mean? And, and in a way in telling it, you really do own it and own the pain of it and own the struggle of it, which is a really healthy thing. So I commend you for that. Thank you. Um, and I think it's, it's very, um, also very commendable that you 
you identified the signs in yourself that led up to that and were able to recognize them in other people. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously some of the specifics may be different. The situations may be different, but you know, you're not wrong in that um, men do, we, we do lead the statistic in suicide numbers. Yeah. I mean, you know, in 2020, we, we accounted six, I looked it up. It's almost 70%, like 69.68% of suicide deaths were men. Um, Mm -hmm. And the rate of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men, Yep. you know? Um, And so uh, one of the people that, I don't know if if you've listened to that episode, but I interviewed a guy named Traver Boehm um, and Traver runs a men's movement uh, called Man Uncivilized. And that is one of the things that he talks about. Um, You know, he has a lot of men who have come to him and said, either have said I'm done or were on the brink of being done. And a lot of them, it was post-divorce, post job loss, you know, mm-hmm. post some kind of extreme, quote unquote, common life <laughs> challenge, you know, I mean, getting laid off, um, you know, get, you know, having, like I said, going through the divorce, having infidelity, having a wife cheat on them or whatever, or they cheated and then they got caught. There was some kind of major, you know, life moment that just, you know, was, was that moment that was the trigger. That was the thing. But then, I like what you talked about when you talked about, you know, just small paper cuts along yeah. the way, you know, um, that's incredible. And I think that, that men, I like that guys are starting to redefine the word trauma. Yeah. You know, I mean, so often we think of capital T trauma <laughs> you know, and we're like, no, my parents were, they were good. Uh, you know, they never abused me and, and I had a happy childhood and, you know, they didn't divorce uh, I'm married and we're happy and blah, blah, blah. So they're like, I don't have any trauma in my life. But then if they, if they do the right thing and they go to therapy when they feel like they're struggling and then they start talking through it, or even when they talk through it with their buddies, if they're willing to be open like that, um, you know, I really encourage guys. And then a lot of the men I've talked to encourage the guys to get involved in some kind of men's group mm-hmm. or at least have a group of guys in your life, not online, but people in your life who know you really well. Yep. know you well enough to be like, Hey, something's wrong. Let's talk about it. And you're not going to bullshit them. You'll talk about it. You can't bullshit. Them. They won't let you yep. be like, no, don't try that game with me. I can tell something's wrong. Tell me what's up. Um, because loneliness, not having friends like that is another one of those quote unquote, small paper cuts. Although I wouldn't call that a small one. I think a large percentage of men who commit suicide do so because they're lonely they don't have friends like that they don't have someone they can confide in um and so i I really appreciate that you know you share your struggle and that you are able to recognize when other men are going through it as well yeah it it was even interesting there i'm really close with my kids um i have that blessing of being close and having some really hard conversations and and being very open with them and uh two of the things you just said i like to to talk about with and i'll have to use them uh but uh first off is that that relationship piece right like the way i grew up is so vastly different than the opportunities that i've been able to give them that at times i was like why are you struggling why are why are you so beat up like you haven't had the trauma that i've had you you have a dad you have a mom you have people around you you have the support system i never had this like why are you and then like i start i stopped and i was just like you know what? It doesn't matter. You know, if I grew up in their situation, would I have still ended up where I'm at? Or if they grew up in my situation, would they, you know, how would they turned out? You know, so I think you have to change that lens when you relate to people is that, you know, it's that could you walk a mile in their shoes kind of scenario, but it's just what affects me could hit very differently for somebody else. But I think we all reach our breaking points. It's just how much weight can you carry and, and it's not an end of indication of strength and I think that's been the biggest uh hurdle especially for me even doing this podcast is like a, a sharing a story right like I wrestled I didn't sleep at all really last night like the shame <laughs> part of it like I'm about to put this out here even though it's a small audience like this is getting out now like like I'm associated to suicide like oh god like you know so like it, everything spun up but it was still like okay I gotta get them to do this but um it's that strength piece. The other piece, uh, it, it was funny. I, I love anime 
And uh, so, you know, this year we moved into a new house. It's mine. Uh, and I started finally collecting anime pieces and figures from animes that made impacts on me. So I have the, all these figures and uh, now they're overtaking the living room. But uh, <laughs> the the funny thing was, is my, my middle daughter said to me, she was like, you know, I'm so proud of your collection. And I was like, why are you proud of my collection? Like, and she's like, because you're finally showing yourself again. Like you're finally letting your identity out and mm. proudly letting it out. And I was like, and it like, I don't think she understood at the time, like how much it hit, like, oh, wow, I've, I've, <laughs> I've hidden these pieces off for so long. You know, now I'm at a place where I'm, you know, uh, allowing me to be me and, you know, authentically living that out. So I, I think if people can allow for somebody to, to do that, and if you're in that spot where, you know, I think the classic sign, right? Like I, I sold off all my fishing stuff. I sold off all my hunting stuff. I sold off everything that was giving me pleasure leading up to that moment and you know i think that's a another trigger right so when i moved into this house it was, it was sparse sparse everywhere because of you know recovering from <laughs> selling off pieces of me now i've got display cases full of <laughs> figures so um but i think that's pieces of your identity that you're finally being okay with um you know, and sharing. And I think that's what the mental health game really, you know, the, the sickness and illness or depression can really hide that from you and, and those pieces. Yeah, that, that's a really great point. Hey there, podcast listeners. I want to pause for just a moment to tell you about Mountain Care Network. Mountain Care Network is a mental and behavioral health agency, and it was created to increase accessibility to mental health services and decrease the stigma associated with mental illness in West Virginia. The wonderful people of Mountain Care Network believe that a healthy mind leads to a healthy life, which creates stronger families and communities. And they understand that life is difficult at times. So if you or a loved one needs support, Mountain Care Network makes it easy to refer and receive services. Their team of licensed professionals provide services in a variety of settings, including the office, homes, schools, and other community settings, and via telehealth. The people of Mountain Care Network, they meet you where you are. In fact, that is one of their slogans. We meet you where you are. So if you'd like to learn more, please check out Mountain Care Network's website at mountaincarenetwork.com. And, and I mean, you talked earlier about how so many men, you know, they wear masks. Mm -hmm. They put on that mask that they feel they're supposed to wear. And that's the sad thing is it's like, it's the mask we think we're supposed to wear, you know, oh, yeah. I mean? because people respond positively to it. So we're like, oh, okay, so this is how I'm supposed to be, you know, and it can be really impactful if you learn that. I think a lot of guys learn that as a young, as young men, you know, mm -hmm. as boys, it's like, this is how I'm supposed to be. Okay. That makes dad really proud or that makes mom really happy, you know? Grandma pats me on the back and gives me a big hug when I behave that way. And then when we start working, it's like, oh, I get paid to <laughs> offer this value to this company. And then you get fired or laid off or you or your boss finally says, look, you're just we just don't, you know, you suck at your job, you know, yeah. and hits you with this hammer that you didn't expect. You're like, wait. And the mask gets shattered or the mask isn't working anymore, you know? People just kind of stare at you like, why are you, why are you doing that? Yep. Um, and I think that's the great tragedy is that it, if, if that face is not our real face, you know, either something has to happen that, that compels us to take the mask off or more tragically, the mask gets destroyed and we don't like what's under it, you know, mm -hmm. because we've, we've applied our own value to the mask you know it wasn't necessarily just about what other people thought of it but what we applied to it and so when the mask doesn't work anymore or when the mask is broken and we don't like what's underneath that can be a really painful place to be in you know oh yeah i i, 
shared with Brandon when I reached out to him that uh, even though I have facial hair, right? Like it's the only time I'll look in a mirror is when I have to edge it up and clean it. But I would never look in a mirror for myself. Like I can never make eye contact with myself for like the last few years after this because of, you know, who, who's this guy looking back at me? Like, I don't even know him. And, you know, so it's been fun. Like I said, you know, getting back to understanding me, what, what, what makes me happy, what makes me go, um, you know, situations at work still arise like they did back then, uh, they led down that path. And now I find that I shrug them off a little bit more easily still hits, but you know, it doesn't hit on a nuclear level. It's just, okay. I didn't perform that well. Okay. Let's just figure out how to do better next time. Um, and I think one of the ways you're, you're going really reminded me, uh, you know, 14, 15 years ago when I got into management, you know, nobody was coaching me how to be a manager and I really wanted to be a great manager. I wanted to be a great leader of people. And, uh, so I started reading all these leadership books and, uh, you know, if it was on the top 100, I read it. And, uh, Steve Farber wrote in one of his books, uh, radical leap. It was, uh, a quote that, uh, said, you need, you need to make them, let them see you sweat. And he was talking about like, you know, if you make a mistake as a, as a boss, go and tell the team, Hey, I screwed that one up. That was all me. And he was like, and watch that you give people around you the courage to do the same. And I like joked about that. I was like, man, I'm never going to let my team see me sweat. They're just going to see perfection. And then one day I stopped it and I let them see like, Hey, that was completely on me. Bad decision. And I watched my team kind of look at me funny. And then I owned the next mistake. And all of a sudden, everybody just started owning our mistakes. And then we became one of the most efficient teams around. And people were like, how are you turning these teams around? Mm-hmm. And then I started applying that to life with the mask. It was like, oh, I'll let you see me sweat when it benefits me or it benefits the mask. Now I'm out here like, ah, yeah, psh, that, is, that was a big mistake. Oh, well. <laughs> right. So living that authentically, letting people see the mistakes and you know if if they judge you know okay cool you're not about it i'm moving forward i'm not i'm not here to people please anymore i'm sure you're familiar with jocko willink's book extreme ownership mm-hmm. you read that one yep yeah yeah that's I, i've the first time i heard about that book uh i started reading it and then and it was a slow read at first and then all of a sudden yep. i was just devouring it and <laughs> um i think i've read it three times since because I now have a master's degree in educational leadership, which means I can be a school administrator. And that's actually one of the leadership approaches I plan to make, you know, is just to be like, when things go wrong in this school, it's on me. Like yeah. I am the principal, uh, you know, th- I'm the administrator. It's not, it's our school, but I'm going to take mistakes upon myself and see, and not just so I take all the blame, but so I can say, all right, what went wrong here? I'm responsible for figuring that out. And then taking the steps with the team to figure out how to yep. solve that problem. And then on a, on a more personal level, you know, like with the mental health thing, and that's not to say to take it on yourself, but just to say, it is my responsibility to look within and figure out what those triggers were that led me down that path and, and how those paper cuts occurred that led me down that path. And then reaching out to the right people to get the help that I need so that these sorts of things don't occur again, or when they occur again, I know what to do about it. Oh yeah, that was a huge debate. My therapist, and I really like my therapist a lot. She she calls me to the carpet constantly, make sure that she you know I'm not special. This happens to a lot of people, so she's always always busting my chops. But we got into a good debate one time when she was like, she was like, I'm going to ask you a trick question. In the the two biggest relationships of your life that went, you know that were catastrophic for you, which was my mom and, and my ex, what could you have done to change the scenario? Mm. And of course my analytic brain, I rattled off like 80 things I could have done better. And she was like, no, nope, yeah. none of those are right. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if I had done this, I could have gotten this response. If I did this, I would have gotten this response. You know, if I had adjusted my personality or who I am or, or, and, and she just said, nope, nope. And I'm like, okay, fine. You tell me what could I have done? And she was like, it's a two-way street. If they weren't willing to move, if they weren't willing to respond, if they weren't willing to make long-term commitments, nothing you could have done. And I'm like, well, then who owns this? And she was like, only your response. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. And yes. and, and, and I'm like, but that's not no. Like, I could have done more. And she was like, no. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it. Relationships are two-way streets. You, you know how you go about and look at your problems are 
own the pieces you can own. And that's really your response and how long you allow it to affect you. And, you know, before you get help, before you find new ways to handle you. And at that point I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you win this round. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That, and that, that's a hard lesson that I've had to embrace as a teacher. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I can't force my students to do the, the schoolwork. If they choose yeah. not to do it, they choose not to do it. I can encourage them. I can remind them. I can, uh, you know, I can at attach a grade value to it or point value to it or whatever. And just hope cross my fingers. <laughs> I can't force them. I can't control their actions, you know, I, but I can control how I teach. I can control yep. how I engage them in the classroom. I can control my actions and my part of it. But, you know, and yeah, you're right. Relationships, we don't want to admit that, yeah. that, it, that, that sometimes we didn't do anything wrong. You know, yeah. it just didn't work out. Or, you know, when we work for a company and we get laid off or we get fired or we get and we take it so personally. I should have done this. I should have, I should have, I should have. And even if there were things that we could have done, it's like, well, but, but, but it happened. Yeah. Now we move on, you know, we move on to the next, next chapter of our life or the next part of that scenario. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's really bad. Uh, she's a good therapist. If she challenges she that way and, and, and calls you out, that's, that's good therapy right there for sure. Yep. So, well, um, so my next question to you would be, I guess, that, that you've already said that you kind of, your struggle sort of became a way for you to recognize it um, in other people. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you're actively still, you probably don't just go seeking out people that are <laughs> like, all right, so where's the next guy? Where's the <laughs> But, you know, but especially I'm sure with like your circle of friends, the guys that you associate with, you know, um, you said your son, you know, that that is that something that's kind of sometimes on your radar? It is. It is. Uh, I have to watch myself because I, I, I tend to watch people. Uh, people watch all the time. Right. And, and uh, so if I'm out in a store or something, I could it's just like a radar goes off and you're like, man, it's so like I. I try not to actively seek it, but the universe is just not going to let me go <laughs> quietly. I think, I think it does push it. Um, so it is that thing of, of watching it. Um, the very few that, that know how, I always use the term, how dark I went, right? Like how, how far into the darkness that I travel that know it, um, have reached out and they're like, Hey, you know, I, I need to talk to my son. I feel like he's going this way. Or I feel like my husband or, or my significant other friend, like, what do I do? So it, it keeps getting called into me to do something, you know, and I'm like, man, and, and, uh, I wrestled with it most of last year and, and this year, like, how am I going to do something with, with this gift or curse, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and, and that's where, you know, I am today is just like, how do I handle this? Is it going to be always case by case or is it, you know, do we, do we start some kind of movement or do I tack on to somebody that's got a movement and, and aid there? But I mean, the, the thing I tell everybody is just like, don't be afraid to push the conversation. Like we've got to really, you know, get into these conversations. Um, I did, you know, my daughter being in college on campus, you know, when a national suicide prevention day came around, I, I'm always feel that draw of like, do I go to our campus and speak? Do I go to my daughter's high school and speak? And then I'm like, but then I don't want to attach them to this whole stigma. Like it's this weird shame game that goes with it. Like mm -hmm. how much, and then, but I've got the right people around me to constantly push me. Like, look, you got to do it. Like this story wasn't about you. It, it's for others now. Like you, you know, I, I think it hit me kind of hard when Brandon told me, he was like, you saved lives. And I'm like, no, I didn't like, you know, I've just been around. And he's like, you saved lives. And I think that <laughs> that hit really hard where it was just like, ah, oh, man, I did like, mm -hmm. I, like, how did I, how did I do this? And, uh, so how do we get others to do that? I, I'm still formulating that piece. I know other guys are out there doing it, like you mentioned. So, you know, is it yeah, yeah. get in contact with them and move forward or just, but the universe is not letting me off the hook with this. I've, I've, <laughs> I've learned. Yeah. So, 
And that's a good thing. Uh, and and I, if you feel that push, if you feel that call, you, you definitely don't want to ignore it. No. Nope. You know? um, and I get it. Like, the, shame often looks like humility. You know what I mean? It often yeah. looks like that part. Like we think we're just going, nah, I'm not that great. Nah, nah. <laughs> but, but it could be the shame. It could be the, who are you to talk to those people? You know, yeah. you're not that important. That's sometimes that I, I've been pretty good at, like when I started this podcast, people have told me for years, I have a really good speaking voice, you know, and then mm -hmm. I should have gone into radio and I've done <laughs> some theater and I am a teacher. So I'm glad that I have a good speaking voice. Um, and, you know, podcasts, my gosh, they've been popular for what, like the past decade or so. Yeah. And I was listening to, it was actually, I think it was Trevor Boehm uh, and he was doing just one of his solo podcasts. And, and he was basically saying, look, if you've had that idea, you've been sitting on, stop sitting on it and just just answer the call and go with it. And he, and he went down a list. He's like, write that book. And then he said, start that podcast. And I was yep. like, damn it. <laughs> you know, now I have to, there it is. Um, but, but at the start, I remember that voice, like, well, I mean, I mean, people don't really want to listen to me talk for an hour. And oh yeah. You know? so what I had to finally do is I had to sit there and think, hell, I've got a lot of really interesting friends who have done some cool stuff. And I think I'll set up and, you know, I'll contact some of them and see if they want to be on my new podcast. And I was surprised by how many people said, yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, and then I, it started local. And then I started reaching out to people that I really admired from outside of, you know, my local community, kind of like your story with Brandon, where you didn't think he would answer you, you know, when you messaged him and he did. And, and that's actually how I'd, I'd been following him for a little while. And I was like, Hey, I got a podcast. Do you want to be on it? And he responded with I'm game. <laughs> but you know, what you, what, what kind of has to happen sometimes is we just have to say, I feel that this thing needs to be done. I don't necessarily feel like I'm the person responsible, but I can't get rid of that call. I can't shake off that, that, that thought that it needs to be me, you know, at least for now, at least if it's just a carrying the torch kind of thing, you know, um, it still needs to be me. And, and I feel like you, you've been through a life crucible of sorts, man. You know, I mean, if you did the compare game, you might look at other people's stories and be like, yeah, but mine wasn't that bad. No, you, you've been through something. You know, and it's, as you said, it's sadly common. Yeah. You know, a lot of men have been through very, very similar stories. And it is comforting to hear from someone who has been there and has overcome it. You know, yeah. I'm sure you've heard the quote that like every single person is either about to go into or currently in or just coming out of some kind of crisis. Yep. That's always true. Always. Yep. So everybody at some point needs someone who's either in the same position they're in or has been through a similar crisis and come out of it and been okay. Yep. You know, that feeling of you're going to be okay is really comforting. Yeah. And I think that's the huge part. And, and uh, talking, you know, like I said, the, the guy, a friend of mine that just got out the hospital a couple of weeks ago and he's like so how long is it going to be before i'm okay and i was just like yeah <laughs> maybe never but you would not be where you are and he's like what do you mean and i was like i was like i've heard the, the quote a couple times since i've started sharing my story with a few people was like you never break the same way twice mm -hmm. so and i was like no i think we can break about the same way and then they're like no it's like a bone and it will heal back and it just won't break the same way this and so I told him I was like you know I was like define your okay and and move with it and get into it and I was like you know I just started going to the gym in January right <laughs> and uh, like everybody else January 1st I'm going to the gym and, and I felt like I had done the mental gym for all the 2021 and I was like all right now now we got to take care of the body now and uh, and uh it's been a great analogy to use with mental health, which is, you know, it's consistency. It's getting in there every day. It's doing what you can. It's pushing. And the progress is slow at times. Like, mm -hmm. like, why am I still lifting 40 pounds? Like I've been doing it for two weeks, but 
<laughs> it's the consistency. All of a sudden, you go back in, and the next day, I'm lifting 80. And I'm like, wait a minute, when did that happen? <laughs> and I found the same to be true with the mental health it is, you know, I think I described it to my, my son uh, as like, if you think about whatever the big wounds are, and you put them in a box, yeah. and you there's a button, and you got the ball, and the ball's bouncing around, and the closer you are to it, and how soon it was, like that ball's big, it's going to hit that button constantly. And over time, that ball gets smaller and smaller, and it's still going to hit that button. You know, there there are times there was a a TV show I watched, I think Sunday night, and like it just hit a topic, and I, and I was finding myself crying, and I'm like, like what button did that hit? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and and then I was like, it's okay to be this way. It's okay to cry. It's okay. Let's let's process this real quick. You know, was this anything big? Nope. Just hit the button. Cool and move on like we're not going to stay in that and i think that's that mental gym comparison that you know going through it getting a rep repetition becoming better doesn't mean you know that it, it doesn't hurt any less at times but it just you manage it better yeah that's a really good point i like that analogy i think i think with emotions so often men either push them down you know because we again it's kind of back to that mask thing you know mm -hmm. we're, we're, i can't show those right now because i'm with these people or i'm in this scenario or that's not me i don't cry you know i'm not a wuss i'm, I'm a strong guy i'm you know whatever or or it might be you know there might maybe it's less selfish maybe it's i don't want my kids to see me upset i want my wife to see me upset i don't want to mm -hmm. bother my friends with my pain. I don't want to talk about it because they've got their own problems. Like they come up with a lot of excuses and reasons why they don't allow themselves to feel and work through those emotions. And then I like that you ask the questions like, all right, what just triggered that? Okay. Was it something major? Nope. Just push the button. It's just a little bit of a, you know, it's that that's, that's a really healthy way. And as you've learned to work through whatever that is you're feeling, as opposed to, I don't want to think about that right now. I'm just going to yep. put it back in the back of my mind and pretend I didn't feel it and move on. Uh, you know, I, I'm a pretty sensitive person. I mean, I just like, I just went hiking and, and I was walking way, way up this really gorgeous trail in the city. And, you know, some church bells started ringing down in the city and I just stopped and I could feel just, I got chills. And then I started just getting teary eyed and I, like you, I, I let myself feel it. And I knew that it was just the beauty and the perfection of the moment. You know, there was almost something holy about it. A lot of guys will just like, like, what, what are you talking about, man? That, that I don't, please. <laughs> and then what happens is I, I'm trying to remember. Um, um, oh yeah. There's Martin Shaw. Who's one of my favorite writers. He, he writes a lot about mythology and poetry. And he said something in one of his books that he said a mentor taught him. And it was what you exile will eventually become hostile. Mm -hmm. And I just love that because when we push those emotions down or we pretend that we don't feel that way and we, we lie about it or we hide it or we put on the mask, eventually it's just going to come spilling out, you know, and Traver says, what you repress will come out sideways. It's a very <laughs> similar quote to that one. Um, but yeah, I like the, the, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I've used the, the zombies, push it down, bury it alive, and it's gonna come back as a zombie, then you're dealing with all the walking dead scenarios. <laughs> yeah, 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 and it, it's the same, yeah. And one zombie, maybe you can handle it, but the, the more you pile those bodies up, man, the harder they're gonna be to fight off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and, and to your point with the, the church bells, like, uh, I finally got to take my daughters on a, a cruise. So we went on a five day cruise for their summer or spring break a couple of weeks ago. And, and uh, same thing when I stood on top of the boat and I'm looking out over the water and, you know, all this partying going on. And I'm like, wow, like I'm able to do this now. Like, this is amazing. And it was like getting a little teary eyed in front of everybody. And it's like, okay, all right, I'll hold it back just for right now, but let me go find a place. <laughs> like, I don't need anybody to go. <laughs> like, why is he crying in the middle of a party? Like, <laughs> No, my daughters, my, go ahead but yeah it, it, it is that thing and you know my daughters knew it you know they, they, they know why it's the opportunity it's the beauty of the moment and just being present you know with it my two oldest daughters they know how sensitive their dad is i mean i've taken them to see movies and just started crying bawling sobbing 
Dude, we I took them to see the Muppet <laughs> movie, the, the the one that that Jason Siegel did. You remember that mm-hmm. one? Yep. And I got hit so hard with the nostalgia. I could not when when Kermit starts singing Rainbow Connection, I oh, yeah. could not keep my eyes dry. And my daughter looked at it and went, Dad. I said, I can't help it. You don't understand. You don't understand how long I've waited for something like this. You know, yep. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. But it it that I think that's part of the mistake that so many men make is that we're not open and honest about what we're feeling in the moment. You know, and maybe we repress it because we think I'll talk to somebody about it later. You know, yeah. I'll talk to my buddy later, or I'll I'll mention it to my pastor, I'll talk to my therapist, but we don't allow ourselves to actually feel it in a on a personal level in the moment. You know, I mean, I'm not saying yeah. God should be like turning their wife and be like, babe, I'm feeling really uh sad right now. I think I just might cry. You know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm thinking like to ourselves, being honest with ourselves when we feel those emotions, like, all right, what is this that's stirring up in me right now? And why? And, you know, I need to pause and feel it, identify it, and then be prepared to move forward after I go through it. Right. The mailman went by, so the dog was, (laughs) but yes, uh, that's a big part of it. You know, that was a big skill I had to learn was just that it was, you know, allow yourself to inventory it. And if it wasn't the right time, like if I got stirred up at work, something, you know, like uh, the job I left before this one just had a manager was just a bulldog, but it was just negativity all the time. The way he addressed things was just so negative. And, and uh, it would trigger me every now and then where it was just like, I'm never going to make this guy happy. Like, what did I do wrong this time? Like, and, uh, it, it, but I couldn't let him see me sweat because it was a sign of, you know, weakness and he would just pile in on it. And uh, so I would have to hold it. And then uh, one day he really got to me with something he said. And I ended up in the, the men's bathroom bawling my eyes out. And that's when I messaged Brandon for the first time. And it was just like this long, like I opened up about everything. And I'm like, I can't believe I just gave a presentation to over a hundred people. You know, I owned the room. I commanded it. I did all this and then he just stole it and flipped the switch. And now I'm in the men's room balling. And, you know, and then like, like you had said earlier, I didn't expect him to respond back because I never reached out to this guy. You know, I followed him. His posts were on point. What he was trying to do with new age gents mm-hmm. and is doing with them is amazing. And I was like, this guy's too busy for somebody like me. He's not going to be a little wisp like me, you know, like all these shameful negative thoughts piled in and, uh, he ended up responding and since then it's been a it's been a great friendship and, and brotherhood and a lot of love there um and so i think that's the thing is you know recognizing that i might not be in a position to deal with it right now but i need to catalog it and review it later and i always tell myself it's got to be within 24 hours like if i don't do it within 24 hours it, it's going to become a zombie and i don't <laughs> i don't want to deal with it uh, you know I'm, I'm, when it's that strong and destructive so yeah let's come back and and deal with it or you know try to find peace at lunch or whatever i gotta do but find it deal with it quickly and and ask yourself the hard questions you know is this really important is this really as big as i'm making it um like i've mentioned a couple times already that shame piece for me is, is huge still it's probably the biggest thing and uh recently was told you know what might be funny is what you think is a dragon that I'm going to let out and show everybody that I got this monsters dragon on my back. It's really like a little roach that's going to run the minute I put it in the light. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, huh, like, what if it is just a roach? And when we put it in the light, start sharing the story, start doing something, answer the call and it scurries away, like nothing. Then what have I been carrying around <laughs> yeah. this whole time? And, and, uh, and it goes right down to just that simplistic, metaphor of the mask is yet another mask like i can't let them know i'm a type of suicide i can't can you know <laughs> yeah how are people at work going to judge me you know <laughs> so th- those kind of pieces are, are questions i've wrestled with and then part of me is like eh, you know starting to get it now where it's just like it is what it is and i'm not the only one it's, it's you know the statistics prove it <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> i wish it wouldn't but you know yeah yeah, man, and that's 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 a really good point. 
Um, and the thing that I've learned is that, especially if you've got multiple masks to keep that <laughs> metaphor, it, it's exhausting. It's it exhausting, you know? And then, and then, and that sometimes it's almost funny when you've left one mask off and it's not the mask that you're supposed to be wearing around whatever group, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but when you take it off, like when you are being authentically you and, and accepting that there are going to be people who are not okay with that, but that's okay too, because you don't control them, you know, and you can't expect them to wear some kind of mask to make themselves like whatever it is they don't like about the authentic you, you know, yeah. I, and that's just, man, I, I really, as I said before, I commend you for, you know, seeing what led to your challenges and your struggles, identifying them, taking responsibility for them, um, not taking blame, but taking responsibility, you know, like that's the big thing. People think, oh, it's my fault. It's my fault. No, it might not be your fault, but it, it is your responsibility to heal and to yeah. get better. And then I definitely commend you for seeing other people who also need to hear your story and to help them through their own struggles. I think that's awesome. And, you know, as much as we complain about modern technology, I think it's great that, you know, when we're feeling something in the moment, you know, we can reach out to our buddies. We can shoot off a tech. Yeah. Like I'm pretty fortunate. The guys that I know them in person here in real life, but we're all in a text thread and I bang out, Hey guys, I'm struggling with this right now. And if it's bad, one of them will call me you know? Nope. Um, but if it's just something they need to talk about, they'll, they'll respond to text, you know? And then we have, sometimes we have friends that are, you know, distant, like I'll fire off something to Brandon sometimes like you do and say, Hey man, just letting you know, this is going on. Pray for me. If you got some advice, that'd be great. Um, it's important that men that we surround ourselves with other men who are also doing the work to improve and to grow. And many of them are men like you who have been in that dark place. I've, I've fortunately never been in a place that dark. Um, but I recognize that as a man, I'm statistically really close to the possibility, you know, I mean, it is always a thought mm -hmm. of this could be me, it could be me. Um, and so because of that, I try to, to sympathize and have love for my other men, other men and my brothers that are struggling. So yeah. I appreciate all everything that you've done, man. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Yep. And I, and I really appreciate that, that you continue to be a dedicated father. I liked hearing that, that you're still active in their life. I know that sometimes that's not always the story post-divorce. So I'm happy to hear that. You know, that's important to a lot of men as well. If they lose that, that value part of their life, it can be a real challenge for them to get re, you know, back into it uh, and feel purposeful as a man and purposeful as a father. So I'm glad that you still have that blessing. Yeah, I'm very blessed with these three knuckleheads. They're 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 a lot of fun, a lot of joy, a lot of challenge. But you know, like I said, it's just it, it, it's fun seeing them have opportunities that I didn't, um, and see what they do with them. You know, just mm. whatever they want to do. You know, I'm always supportive of it. Uh, I want them to find their path and and you know just have fun with life. You know, not <laughs> not feel the weight of you know that you know others have had or even myself or you know. Uh, but it's always, always interesting to get the 2 a.m. phone call or, or late phone call, like, hey, dad, we need to talk. And I'm like, all right, let's talk and just have an honest conversation. And I, like I said, I think it's with anything. I, my ex and I are really good friends still. So we're able to, you know, call each other and reach out um, with safe boundaries that we put in place, of course. But, <laughs> you know, being able to, to support each other still um, is good. And I think that's, that's the key is, you know, if cut people off and that need to be cut off if they're draining you, but if they can energize you, support you, you know, definitely call you out <laughs> when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Or, you know, as we do around here, you know, wearing a mask, call it out. Like, Hey, I think that's the mask. And is that a mask? Like, what do you, who's, who am I talking to? <laughs> Have those conversations and, and let, let it happen. Um, but I think it all just starts with more personal connections and just worrying about what we're posting on social media. Yeah. <laughs> like everything's raised, you know, rainbows and sunshine. And that, that boy, that's, that's one of the biggest masks. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's an almost global mask. So many people are doing the same thing on social media, you know, painting that beautiful picture of what they want others to think their life is like. And then, but on the inside, on the other side of the screen, that's not it at all. 
you know, or, I mean, I know they did a lot of research about how social media makes people feel more envious <laughs> because they yep. see the other, the beautiful pictures, the Instagram photos, the vacations, you know, that they're never going to, man, I'll never look like that. Or that's never going to, and, but they, but they don't understand that there was a filter there, that there was the, the camera was just at the right angle, but they didn't, they didn't show their husband because he was actually pretty pissed off at that point. Even though the kids look happy, there was really an argument that just happened. Like we don't see all of that unless we surround ourselves with people who really are open and honest yeah. when they're struggling and, and they're not afraid to talk about it. Um, you know, and I hope that, that you've got friends in your life, people in your life that you're able to do that with now, man, you know, cause I know that that's something we all need. We need to be able to have people that we can reach out to who understand, you know, again, the specifics might be different, but they still get it. They're like, Oh man, uh, that just happened to me the other day when this, this at work. And we need that. Yep. It's really important. It is. It is. And, and I think that's like, a you know, going back to it is just, you know, surround yourself with people like that, I think is, is very important. And, you know, if somebody goes quiet, mm -hmm. there's a reason for it, you mm -hmm. know, and poke that, you know, poke it. I mean, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to tell you, you know, F off and okay. You know, I would even poke there. That's just me. I'll be like, well, why are you? Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. we're going to end this relationship, let's end it. That way I've got closure. You got closure. Right. But if you're in a rough spot, let's just talk it out, you know, and uh, just have it. But yeah, I think that's, that's the piece. I don't, was it two seconds to send a text? Like, how are you doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I get in trouble, not trouble, but you know, I'm trying to date for the first time ever and, mm -hmm. and uh, end up doing that a lot where like try to reach out to somebody and connect and you're like, so how are you doing today? And they're like, fine. And I'm like, can I get, <laughs> can we have a conversation? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And then my sarcasm kicks in where I'm like, man, don't, don't, don't hurt yourself typing so much. Or, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know, trying to get some kind of connection going with people and, and i find you know it's that instant gratification whatever you, argument you want to make about whole online dating now and, and dating in general but uh you know i just reached back into it it's that connection piece like people want to be connected and you know, yeah so i think as long as we're trying and, and doing it healthy um willing to poke and, and push people a little bit you know help yeah. <laughs> don't push them over the ledge but just push them you know like are you really okay? You know? Right. Right. I think what was that old quote? It was like, you know, when a guy tells you I'm fine, it's really a F you. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so watching those things, uh, just being aware, I, I think that's just half of it. You know, anybody I've talked to that, that has suicide, suicidal ideation or, or gone that dark to where they've gone committed to their plan and luckily are still with us it's or even the few that i've talked to that you know i've lost somebody to suicide it's been uh that isolation mm -hmm. and and the biggest regret for anybody that's left behind i think is just i wish i had poked i wish i had pushed and you know yeah. I, I look back you know just even in my story i look back like did i really reach out you know did i really you know if somebody had reached out would i have been honest and you know i, I don't know but I hope to never test that theory again. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, man. Well, this has been great and I really appreciate it. And I know for sure that you and I are going to keep in touch after this. Good. Um, definitely. Look forward to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, and I, I really, really, I'm so happy you decided to share your story on a public forum. Again, I know I don't have thousands of listeners. Um, Not yet. The exact <laughs> opposite of Joe Rogan. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do have an audience and most of them are men and I know that they're going to appreciate hearing your story. Um, and then hopefully it encourages them to stay connected to their brothers, you know, uh, and, and have people in their life who challenge them and question them and love them and will let them have the hard conversations and ask the hard questions. So I appreciate it. Um, but you enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. All right. You too, buddy. Thanks. Thank you again for having me. You're right. welcome. Bye. All right. Hello. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide,
I encourage you to contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They are committed to improving crisis services and advancing suicide prevention by empowering individuals, advancing professional best practices, and building awareness. So please, if you or someone you know is struggling and just needs to reach out, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. Thanks for listening to the LilyPad podcast. For more information about our show and for notes about each episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the LilyPad podcast. And if you enjoyed this show, give us a follow on Spotify, or if you listen on Apple podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and review. It really helps other people learn about this podcast. So once again, thanks for listening.